This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking to Dr. Ernie Ward about all things nutrition. We'll be right back after these messages. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Pet Life Radio's ER Vet Show. Today, I'm really honored to have Dr. Ernie Ward on. He's America's pet advocate and has been spending his whole career blending healthy lifestyles and medicine. Now, I have talked to him before about nutrition and obesity in the past, but I wanted to bring him on today to specifically talk about a survey that's going on on the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention. Dr. Ernie Ward, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks, Justine. So first of all, just so our audience knows a little bit more about you, can you tell us what you do, who you are, where you trained, and what your passion projects are right now? Oh, yeah, you bet. So I am a small animal veterinarian. I definitely sort of specialized in pet obesity many years ago before it was really even talked about outside of Garfield as a happy fat cat. But anyway, I've owned a variety of clinics. I've written a lot of books. You know, I founded the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention way back in 2005. And, and you're right, Justine, a lot of my adult career, I guess you would say at this point, has been devoted to helping pets live longer, healthier lives through nutrition and lifestyle. And of course, now I actually have a pet food company that's based out of Berkeley, California. We're doing some exciting things with research with yeast and fungal proteins for dogs. We're doing microbiome research. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I know on October 9th, it was actually National Pet Obesity Awareness Day. And as a veterinarian, I see a lot of obesity just like you. And it oftentimes results in a lot of debilitating disease. And by the time I see it in the ER vet, it's oftentimes too late to right. talk to a pet owner about preventing obesity but we end up seeing a lot of secondary medical problems from it. And I know according to your survey that it's estimated that approximately 60% of cats and 56% of dogs in the United States are overweight or obese. So first of all, can you define what overweight is versus obese is? And why is this a growing problem? Yeah, that's a great point. So there's been concern and questioning around like, 
what is obesity in companion animals? And so what we set out to do four years ago at the association was to get a global consensus. And to date, we have 24 of the world's largest veterinary organizations that have signed on an agreement to this simple paper. And again, if you're interested as a pet owner out there today, go to petobesityprevention.org and you can actually see this document that's floating around the world. And really, Justine, we set out to do three things. Number one, as you mentioned, to define obesity. And so right now, you know, we've got a pretty clear vision. It's around 30% above ideal body weight. And look, we know that that's a bit of an arbitrary number, but we followed the human guidelines from the American Medical Association. So the 30% figure correlates pretty closely with adipose or fat tissue. So we know that, you know, that number is validated for sure. So we wanted to define it. We also use something to define obesity called the body condition score that you and I are familiar with in clinical practice. But basically, it's a scale of whole integer numbers one through nine, that we say, okay, your dog's based on his body condition, he's going to be a four or five, which would be normal, or eight or nine, which is classified as obesity. The second thing that we had to do was to agree on that body condition score, because Justine, you and I both know that around the world, there are three major body condition scores. So if a veterinarian told you, Justine, in the clinic, hey, this is a cat with a BCS of six, you had to then say on which scale, right? Because, you know, you didn't know if it was one to seven, one to nine, or wouldn't be one to five, but you know what I'm saying. And then the third and the most contentious thing about our global obesity, pet obesity position statement was to define obesity as a disease because you and I, as clinicians, we know that it is a disease. It is a metabolic disruption. You know, there's pathophysiology. It meets all of the requirements of the American Medical Association who incidentally declared obesity in humans a disease back in 2013. So we're really just following that pathway. But like you said, the definitions do count because when veterinarians are talking about obesity, we have to make sure we're using the same terminology. Even when I see veterinarians filling out some of these BCS or body condition scores, they are typically underestimating it. I see a lot of fours, fives. I rarely see the seven or eight. So, you know, we're graduating veterinary students who unfortunately think obesity is part of the normal physical exam. Right. And this is where weight bias and stigma come into play. And a lot of my efforts the past two or three years have been around that. Getting veterinarians to, number one, understand and accept that this is a problem and not be afraid to tell a person compassionately in a non-threatening fashion that your dog or cat has obesity. And so when we find that, you know, when we talk to veterinarians and do surveys, and we're actually doing some really interesting research right now at the association around weight bias and stigma uh, by veterinary professionals. But when we talk to them about what's the biggest barrier. It's this fear of inadvertently you know, offending the client. So if you're listening today and you're a pet owner, you need to make sure you you tell your vet, hey, you're cool. Let's talk about this because it is really important. In fact, our surveys back that up. When we ask our pet owners, you know, in our surveys, would you like for your vet to talk to you about your pet's weight, your current weight condition? The vast majority, 80, 85% of pet owners say absolutely. And yet we only get about 40 to 45% of veterinarians who say they feel comfortable having that conversation. It's because vets are too nice, right? They're (laughs) worried about offending that pet owner. They're worried that, you know, in America, we show our love by feeding more, right? Right. So it becomes a really frustrating way. And I always tell people, when in doubt, find a better way of showing your love to your dog or cat. And that could be taking them for an extra half mile walk or another mile walk or taking the time to use a laser pointer for a dedicated 10 minutes, play with your cat. Do you have any tips? 
Yeah, well, certainly we could go all day about you know how to help a pet lose weight. And you're right. Right now, the best advice that we have, the only evidence-based advice that we have as veterinary professionals, which is a shame and part of the problem, is to exercise more and feed less. And sadly, Justine, that just doesn't work, nor does it sustain. So while we know that you may set out with the best of intentions to reduce your pet's food, you know, maybe give a few fewer treats, we know that it's really hard in the day-to-day grind. So for me, the reason that obesity needs to be recognized as a disease because once we get that declaration and this widespread acceptance, then that turns on the innovation within the pharmaceutical industry, between the pet food industry, between technology. That's exactly what we've seen happen on the human side. Now, look, I'm not saying, oh, wow, I just want a magic pill that'll help slim down all the the pets uh, in America. What I am saying is that I need better tools to treat these pets with obesity than I currently have, which again is feed less, exercise more. So tell me about this ongoing survey that's going on and what can we as veterinary professionals and dog and cat owners do? Yeah. So typically every October through December, we do a survey for pet owners. So please go to petobesityprevention.org and sign up. We do give away prizes. So we draw people's names and give away, I think last year we gave away a couple of iPad minis, maybe three of them. But we want to get your opinions and attitudes about pet nutrition and pet food. Now, over the years, we've been doing this now for nearly 15 years. Justin, what you see is that the industry, the profession actually pays attention to what we're saying, because what we're trying to do is identify the trigger points for pet owners. So if you're concerned about grains in dog food, then this is your way to get your voice heard. If you're concerned about, you know, if you think raw diets are better, then let us know. So we ask about all of these questions. If you want to know about exercise, like last year, we went into pretty nice detail on what types of techniques have you tried to help your pet lose weight? And of course, it was just as we described, you know, it was feed less, it was exercise more. And then we ask you, did it work? And you said no. <laughs> so, so that helps us because we need technological interventions that we think can help. So again, the survey goes on from now until the end of the year. We really encourage you to take a few minutes of your time and let us know what you think about pet nutrition because again, that helps us give you better products. All right. So when people fill out the survey, when is the deadline? Is it a long survey? How much time do they need to dedicate to get this done? Right. Well, first of all, it's brief. And most people you know, take it from our the data that we get. It takes a couple of minutes. Some people take a little longer. They give us more detailed answers. But a couple of minutes, it's anonymous if you want. If you want to be entered in to win a prize, of course, you can leave your email at the very end. But it runs until the end of the year. So again, we encourage you to go and just and have your voice heard. Now, more importantly, though, Justine, I think when we talk about obesity, you know, there's been all these recent viral stories. You saw Cinder Block the cat, the cat that they were trying to get on an underwater treadmill which I have some reservations about that particular tactic for weight loss in cats. But regardless, what we're trying to do is raise awareness that obesity is a disease. It's a situation that we need to take more seriously because, Justine, you mentioned this earlier. By the time we see the clinical signs, by the time they're having crippling arthritis or diabetes or kidney failure or high blood pressure, it's too late. The damage is done. We really need to make sure that we're recognizing that dog or cat who's just gained a pound. That's the time to intervene, not by the time that the Labrador is 125 pounds, because I will tell you that is a metabolic mess. As a veterinarian, I work with a lot of sled dogs, with a lot of greyhounds, and so I'm used to a really athletic build. And so when I tell owners in what I deem a compassionate way that their Bernie's Mountain Dog, who's 120 pounds as big, they're like, oh, well, the father was that big. And Always. I'm saying, I know, but he's <laughs> he's really morbidly obese. So it's really, really hard. They've done studies through Purina that were 
it was actually a 14-year study where they found that skinnier dogs that were fed less had less osteoarthritis and lived an average of almost two years longer. And we all want our four-legged friends to live as long as possible. And while that study hasn't been done in cats yet, I think we can both agree that, yes, when they have a better body condition score, they're probably going to live longer, right? Absolutely. And I think it's actually more profound in cats because cats have the added complication of diabetes. Remember, if you're listening today and you have a cat that's got a couple extra pounds and you're not worried about it, perhaps remember that diabetes is 100% related to obesity. Cats aren't born with diabetes. Cats don't get it except for through excess adipose tissue activity. So this is one of those areas where as veterinarians, we are constantly saying, you know, look, if you want your cat to live longer and be disease free and be happier, have a higher quality of life, it's as simple as keeping them at a lean body weight. Now, here's the thing about that Purina study. There's two really important takeaways that I always like to tell audiences. The first thing is, number one, by the time that all of the dogs in the regular fed group were dead, there were still almost half of the dogs fed 25% less. They were still alive. This is crazy, Justine, right? I mean, so we knew that those dogs lived not only two, two and a half years longer, but they were outliving them at a higher quality of life. The second thing is it wasn't that they were skinny dogs. It's just that they were fed 25% less than their study cohort. So on any given day, what they were doing is feeding these dogs to body condition and to environmental parameters. And so if dog A in the study group ate one cup. Well, the other group, the quote unquote lean muscle mass or lean body mass group was just fed three quarters of a cup. It was that simple. And Justine, again, at the end of the day, they had less cancer, less crippling arthritis, you know, less need for medications and they lived longer. Great information and so helpful. Again, that website where you can take the survey is petobesityprevention.org. Please feel free to share that on social media so as many of your cat and dog friends can also fill that out. And please make sure to share it with your veterinarian or on their Facebook page too, just so people can take the opportunity to be able to take the survey and help potentially increase awareness of pet obesity. We'll be right back after these important messages. Do you have an accident prone dog or cat? Well, if your dog or cat goes into the ER for an emergency, it's often unexpected and can be expensive. Well, here's something that can help. USO is a community-based cost-sharing health coverage plan for pets. Community is at the heart of USO, where members commit to help one another when their pets have unexpected health needs. USO isn't an insurance or a provider, but it's a platform that allows members to share expenses together safely and secretly. So what's part of USO's secret sauce? Complete transparency on where their users' money is going. USO members pay a flat subscription fee, $17 a month, plus a portion of shareable expenses. That flat subscription fee covers the use of the platform. And the monthly shareable expenses, which will never exceed $48 a month, will vary depending on how many expenses are submitted by the group that month. Save over 80% compared to traditional pet insurance by paying a flat subscription fee. For more information, go to USO.com. That's E-U-S-O-H dot com. Use promo code PETLIFE and get your first two months free at USO.com. E-U-S-O-H dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. We've been talking with Dr. Ernie Ward, who founded the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention. We've been talking about a really important survey that's going to close within the next few weeks. Really important for both pet owners, dog and cat owners, and veterinary professionals. So please take the time to take this really short survey. It provides a lot of information. It has great questions about grain-free diets versus how much you're feeding. So again, the website is petobesityprevention.org. Now, Dr. Ernie Ward, I saw that you just released a new type of dog and cat food. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I, I know did. nutrition has always been a passion of yours, but tell me how this is different. What's up? Well, you know me, Justine. I've been a lifelong vegetarian and vegan. And so, you know, over the years, I've become increasingly, you know, interested in how can I give a better plant-based solution for dogs, okay? And so a couple of years ago, I hooked up with some super scientists out in Berkeley, California in the Silicon Valley area. We call ourselves little biohackers. And the reality is we said, we all agreed. We were all vegetarian and vegan. And we said, look, we can do a better job of plant-based diets. And so we just came out with the world's first high-protein plant-based dog food. It's doing really, really well. And the thing too, you know, if you kind of look back at my history and, and you and, you know, you and I go way back, Justine. I've always touted the evidence is clear that higher protein, higher fiber diets are better for avoiding obesity and preserving lean muscle mass. And so that's what I got to do. You know, I got to be like a kid in a candy store, if you will. And I said, wow, what can I do? What are the best things I can add? You also know my uh, love and affinity for L-carnitine, which you know is something that I've always given my dog and cat patients to help with weight loss. And so I got to dump a lot of that in there as well as taurine and other essential nutrients. But it's really been a, an exciting adventure to be able able to actually, you know, from scratch with people who are really brilliant scientists and say, look, here's what I'm thinking. How do we make this happen? And so Wild Earth Pets was born back in uh, the end of 2017. And this past year, you know, we were on Shark Tank. So Mark Cuban is a big supporter of ours. We have another big billionaire investor called Peter Thiel out of LA. I mean, it's, it's really kind of caught I think the pet loving world a little bit like by surprise. And they're going, oh, never really thought of high protein plant-based dog food. I need to know, are you getting pushback from the veterinary community or veterinary nutritionists? Because most of the time you hear people saying you can't make a dog or a cat vegetarian. So fill me in on how this is different. Right. Well, dogs are omnivores. I mean, the scientific evidence is clear. I mean, they've got 36 different mutations just around starch metabolism from wolves. So they do a pretty decent job of metabolizing those nutrients. And also I have a book coming out, uh, launches December 2nd, uh, called The Clean Pet Food Revolution, where I actually go into lots of detail in science. I mean, it's one of those, you know, it's like Chowhound's My Pet Obesity book from years ago. It's like, you know, my editor kept going, wow, Ernie, can you write a sentence without a scientific study to reference? I was like, no, I'm a scientist. That's what we do. But the reality is, you know, this can be done. Uh, we're using some very unique novel yeast and fungal proteins, okay? Sort of like nutritional yeast for people. And what I like about that is not only is it as rich in all the 10 essential amino acids that dogs require, but the difference between like a fungal protein and a, a beef protein, for example, is the fact that beef will have no fiber. Whereas the fungal protein has about 10% of really cool fibers, dietary fibers. And one of those that I'm of particular interest in, and we're doing some research, we've been doing research for the past couple of years, is the beta-glucans. Now, Justine, you're familiar with beta-glucans from nutrition, but we know that these have tremendous health benefits that just aren't found in regular pet foods. So that's been the really exciting thing. And I think that as some of our research starts rolling out over the next couple of years, you're going to see more and more veterinarians say, wow, okay, this is something we should be taking note of. Obviously, Mars, which is a large, you know, pet food 
company. They were one of our early investors as well because they see the therapeutic applications of these types of proteins in food allergy cases. So you can, while we're not a therapeutic diet, Justine, you can see why people like Mars Pet Care would be very interested in, in what we're doing from a research standpoint. Can you tell us a little bit about the ingredients that you're offering right now in Wild Earth? Yeah, well, certainly the star of our show in our minds are going to be the yeast proteins. We also use koji, which is the, that type of fungal protein that's in miso, it's in sake, it's in soy sauce. You've already had it. They estimate 2 billion people on the planet eat koji every day. So it's a really rich uh, fungal protein source as well. We also have oats. You know, I mean, so we're, we're not like a grain free type of company because I personally believe in grains. I think they have tremendous benefits for dogs. So we have all the you know, variety. We have a lot of chickpeas in our diet. It, you know, I didn't use rice. I'm not a huge fan of, of rice. Just I like to have low glycemic, which again gets us back to the obesity conversation. So I'm really proud of what we've done. You know, we've added, we had microalgae. You know, I'm a big fan of DHA, as you know, Justine. So we wanted algal sources of DHA. So it's been a lot of fun to figure out, okay, what can we use that doesn't have any animal byproducts, any animal products, which is better for the environment and climate change and all those animal welfare issues that many of us are concerned about and, and really just sort of start from scratch. And, you know, we've, I'm really proud of this first food. And we've got some more things that are coming out next year that I can't wait to talk about. Fantastic. So it sounds like it's got <laughs> dried yeast, chickpeas, oak, peas, uh, fantastic proteins from a vegetable source that we see. What about palatability? Do oh, dogs wow. actually yeah. eat it? That's the most important thing. Okay, I have to tell your audience a secret. Dogs love it. And they love it because of the umami flavor. So see, umami is this savory richness that's, I think, associated more with meat. Can't really speak to that, but you know, it's it's got that rich, full flavor. And so I think what we've actually done is created a flavor profile that dogs are like going, whoa, haven't had this before. This is really interesting. I think I dig it. And so that's where we've really had a lot of success. Obviously, I won't tell you that 100% of all dogs on the planet will eat our food or like our food, but we do see that probably 99.9% .9 do. So that's pretty good. And it sounds like it has a happiness guarantee. So <laughs> I always say when feeding food, always wean it in slowly, but it uh, sounds like uh, it is guaranteed if your dog doesn't eat it. Yeah. And, you know, the thing, too, is being a scientist and you know me, Justine, like, you know, there's so much research that A, has gone on before the launch. And right now we're continuing to conduct some other really cool medical studies that we will be able to talk about next year, I hope. And honestly, you know, what I found from the veterinary community is this. Number one, a lot of them say, okay, Ernie, we get it. This does make a lot of sense with your obesity story. You do like the higher fiber, higher protein formulas. Looks like you got your DHA in there and your L-carnitine and your taurine. So I know you're pretty happy with that. We still are waiting on additional research and I get it. I get it. So all that stuff, you know, we're rolling it out. We've got lots of studies that we've already you know, published. In fact, you know, one of the things too, Justine, I am challenging all the pet food companies out there. Go ahead and publish. Why don't you get Give us your amino acid profiles. I mean, because with all this concern about DCM and so forth, you know, I think that that's something that we can do as pet food manufacturers just to kind of help ease some of the concerns. Obviously, the DCM debate is far from over. We have no clue what's going on and we don't even know if anything is going on there. And again, you know, I, I know that we talk, both of us have podcasts. I have one called the Veterinary Viewfinder where we had an animal nutritionist on recently, a guy named Dr. Ryan Yamka, who really, I think, cut through a lot of the clutter around the DCM debate. So if you want to check that out, go check out Veterinary Viewfinder if that's okay, Justine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the reality is we really think that there needs to be more transparency. I think that pet owners want to know how much methionine and cysteine and other amino acids are in their dog's food so they can feel a little more comfortable when they feed it. 
Oh, I have to ask because veterinarians are going to ask me, is it AFCO approved and you guys have a board certified nutritionist that you guys are working with on this? Yeah, great questions. Obviously, it's AFCO approved to sell pet food in this country. You know, that's something that we think everybody should do. You can disagree with the AFCO requirements, the mens and the maximums. That's a whole other debate, but we think it's a good bar. And we do work with a variety of animal nutritionists and veterinary nutritionists on our formulation. Obviously, I am the chief veterinary officer, so I've got a wild network of, of veterinary nutritionists that we work with that have helped us develop and test our food. So all of that we're pretty much covered up on. I would say that what I'm most excited about is just that the the world, quite frankly, is waking up to the damages that intensive factory farming are having on our planet, on the environment, on climate change, you know, on welfare, water, and so forth. And so that's why this book, The Clean Pet Food Revolution, is really, I think, going to awaken a lot of people to that. Because I used to sit back and go, hey, look, you know, I'm a lifelong vegan and vegetarian. I'm not part of the problem. But I really didn't understand the impact that pet food has on the environment. And then in, in 2017, a guy named Dr. Gregory Oaken at UCLA published some research looking at how much contribution pet food made to climate change. And he concluded that about 30% of all the greenhouse gas emissions in the United States are directly caused by pet food production. So this was a, a wake-up call for me, Justine. I said, wait a second, I am part of the problem. You know, here I am, I'm a veterinarian, so I have a responsibility. Obviously, I had animal welfare issues, but you know, that's where we kind of go. So I hope people will check out the book. Uh, it's on pre-order now on Amazon and all over. But uh, you know, Clean Pet Food Revolution. So if you're kind of interested in those topics, if they're on top of your mind right now, climate change, you know, the fires in the Amazon and in California, uh, you need to find out there's simple things that I think everybody can do to make it better. All right. Fantastic information. Dr. Ward, I want some free sample superfood dog treats so I can make sure it's palatable, but we'll I have can make to that include happen. a link. We'll, we'll include a link <laughs> with it. A fantastic information from Dr. Ernie Ward. Please go to petobesityprevention.org to fill out that survey. And you can check out the website wildearth.com for more information about this food. And got to put in a plug for Dr. Ward's book, Clean Pet Food Revolution, How Better Pet Food Will Change the World. Dr. Ward, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Justine. And thank you once again for all you do to help pet parents around the world just be a little better parent because what you do is so important and I know how committed and dedicated you are. So thank you. Right back at you. You were one of my mentors on why I was so passionate about it. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me any of your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank our guests, Dr. Ernie Ward and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.